0: Don't have the greatest judgment. How many could testify that's true? Yep. Oh. Let's go. Thank you, Kathy. For me, me. She kept her hand down. I love that lady. You know, when I was years ago, you know, I, I got I was trying to catch a groundhog, thought it'd make a great pet. They're like giant guinea pigs. Christian got bit, had rabies, rabies shots. He didn't get rabies, he just had rabies shots. He could have rabies, but. <laughs> um, but I make bad decisions. I don't have the greatest judgment, right? Amen. When me and Bree first got married, we, we, we lived in Tennessee. We were traveling. We went to Gatlinburg. I, forget, I think that's where we were at. We were a little ways out. Heading back to Great Tennessee, stopping at a gas station, get out. I noticed a couple of uh, Mexican guys over to the side trying to figure out what to do with their car because their tire is flat. I wanted to help them. They could barely speak English. So I went over there, and they're like, I found out real quick they didn't have a spare. They didn't know what to do. But I did learn they live about an hour in the same direction I was going. So I made a judgment call. I didn't tell my wife. I just got in the car. I sat down. I looked over at her, and I said, don't freak out. She said, what does that mean? Don't freak out. About that time, the back door opens. All three amigos, three amigos got in the back seat. They sit in there all tight, snug. And I said, they're going the same direction we're going. They have no ride. They have no way to get it. What can to help them? I don't know why I was whispering. They didn't understand what I was saying anyway. Okay. That moment, my wife was thinking, we're going to die. I don't care who they are. We don't know them. They're in our back seat. And we traveled for an hour together. You know how awkward it is to travel with people that can't speak English, trying to have a conversation? And boy, I was a redneck then. Still am a little bit, just don't sound like it. And I just didn't know where to take the conversation. But it was awkward. And at that moment, I thought to myself, my wife didn't have to say it, this probably wasn't a good judgment call. I don't think this was the wisest decision. When I read Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 through 4, and I read about judgment, I realized very quickly that this passage of Scripture... Is not necessarily talking about foolish judgment versus wise judgment. It's talking about righteous judgment versus unrighteous judgment. And, and for a matter of fact, if you didn't know this, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1 is used, that passage of scripture is used by the world more than the church. They love, that's their theme verse. It's the only verse in the Bible they know. They don't even know John 3:16, but I assure you, I promise you, they know, judge not that ye be not judged. They don't even say it that way. They just quote it the way they think it should be quoted, but they don't leave out that word judge. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. And they misuse it. It's probably the most misused passage of scripture known to man. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Judge not that ye be not judged. Let's continue to read all the way through verse 4. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye met, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye? That's just an old English word to say. That, that, that log, if you would, that, 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 that timber, that big, large piece of wood that's in your eye. Or your brother's eye. But considerest not the beam... That is in thy own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thy eye, and behold, a beam is in thy own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thy own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Now, the judgment I used years ago wasn't the greatest. But that was more leaning on the foolish end of things. It wasn't unrighteous judgment. This passage of Scripture is dealing with the importance of using righteous judgment. Let me tell you this, and this is going to seem somewhat abrasive. But the truth of the matter is, Christians, we are responsible to judge. You say, whoa, wow, you just went out on a limb. Let me say this everybody judges every single day somebody's judging you and you're judging somebody you said that's just not right well the reality is it is in multiple ways it is important not because you're going around trying to be critical or mean or or slander people that's not that's not the point for a matter of fact that's contrary to this passage of scripture judgment in here is investment you're investing in helping people you're not judging them After I was working at that lady's house trimming trees, I was so thirsty. I had one bottle of water I didn't want to bother, and I went to Panera Bread, and I was hungry, and I thought there would be a drive-through because I smelled horrible, and I was soaking wet with sweat. So I'm like, I don't care. I'm going in. I didn't look in the mirror. I'm standing there, and I'm ordering my food, and he's looking at me kind of weird. And the guy at the register finally says, you got some grass or something right here, (laughs) like right here. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I should go to the bathroom and check that. What if I looked at him are you judging me? Are you judging the grass that's upon my head? Who do you think you are? That is my grass. I can put grass on my head if I want to. No, he is investing in my well-being. The problem is, how do we judge well? How do we invest in people the right way? You see, when we look at Scripture, we see over and over again the importance of using good judgment and judging things the way God would have those things to be judged. Romans 16 tells us the mark people that cause division. That's judgmental. Is it? Or is it just the right thing to do? Have you ever had to tell your kids don't hang out with him? He's not a good kid. Well, you just judge that kid. Well, I used righteous judgment because he's a bad kid. You don't want your kids when they're 17 hanging out with potheads. Do they even use that word anymore? Potheads? You know, you just don't want it. It's like, I don't think you should hang out with him. He likes to smoke wacky weed. Well, I don't think that's a bad thing to tell my kid, don't smoke out with, uh, hang out with a kid that smokes wacky weed. The reality is still this. We have to use good judgment and know when to say, no, this is not a good idea. Now, I'm being very casual and I'm somewhat joking, but the reality is this. As Christians, we cannot invest in people unless we learn to give good judgment or have good judgment. So everything we need to know about good judgment is right here in Matthew chapter 7. And I want to look at it with you because I think it's important at this point, especially in America, that people not back down, stand up for what's right, use good judgment, and invest in people. So in Matthew chapter 7, Uh, Good judgment is is brought forth with three things. It, It requires three things in this passage of Scripture. First, you have to judge. In order to have good judgment, you have to judge with caution. Judge with caution. Now, stay with me. It's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. My goodness, if you're sleepy right now, then you did not sleep in. And that's okay because you've got a busy life, but I need you to stay with me. Focus because I need you for the next couple of minutes just to just to soak this in so you can walk out of here and use better judgment. Matthew 7 verse 1, judge not that ye be not judged. For what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye met, it shall be measured to you again. This was a common proverb Among the Jews, sow and you shall reap. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. This is something that we as Christians have learned at a young age. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Judging with caution requires us to use caution in multiple ways. Now, watch this be cautious with your method of judgment. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. How you handle your rebuke of others is a clear picture of what's going on in your own life. I see too often people not using caution when they use whatever method to invest or judge somebody for what they're doing. They're so quick to say whatever comes to their mind they're not cautious to think how would Jesus handle this situation when it comes to their spouse, when it comes to their children, when it comes to their friends. Cautious with your method. How we handle our home is also a clear sign of the areas we are lacking in our own lives. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. i got to be very careful with the method I use when I am using good judgment with my children. I want to approach them in an appropriate way. And I want to remember this passage of scripture. Because the fact of the matter is. What you sow you shall reap. My kids are not going to be kids forever. One day they're going to grow up. And I want them to give me the same respect I gave them. If I'm slipping up as a father or a grandfather. And they're like man I don't like what my dad's doing. When, when he has my kids. His grandkids. Well, the way I handled my son, I am sure they're gonna handle me the same way. And let me tell you something, you better think real clearly about that. Do you understand? That's biblical. I want you to realize this judge, you have to judge with caution. Be cautious with the method of judgment, and also be cautious with your measure of judgment. It's not just the method, it's the measure. What are you dishing out? You're gonna sow what you reap. You better measure up to what you're preaching. It's so quick and easy to judge. But we need to make sure the battles we're picking are worth picking. We need to make sure we go into this with the right method and the right measure. Let me tell you something else. Judge with consideration. You have to consider the situation. Matthew chapter 7 verse 3. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye? But considerest not the beam... That is in thy own eye. Huh. Consider your sin. I want to consider where I'm at before I consider where they're at. Remember, judgment, good judgment is investing in people and helping people. It, it's, it's making it a point where you see what's going on in their life and know what needs to change, but making sure that's not going on in your life. You understand? The beam, the sin that is that is distorting your spiritual vision will hinder you, it will hinder you from helping others. This idea, and this is very important, do as I say, not as I do, is ridiculous. It's contrary to good judgment. For a matter of fact, that's considered a hypocrite. And the Bible says in Matthew 7 and verse 5, thou hypocrite, if you are willing and quick to judge somebody, that has the same thing and you have the same things going on in your life, you are wrong and you are a hypocrite. You're not using good judgment. Good judgment comes with consideration. You consider your own sin, what you're dealing with, and make sure you're right in those areas, but also consider your hypocrisy. Are you practicing what you're preaching? People won't trust you in your judgment if you're two-faced. If you're double-minded. Listen, I want to help people. But I want to make sure the areas that I'm helping them in, the areas they're struggling with, I'm not struggling with it myself. Now, I'm not saying you've got to be perfect in order to invest in people's lives. But I am not going to rip my son's face because he's drinking if I'm drinking too. And I'm hiding it at the back of the refrigerator. Thou hypocrite, shut your mouth. Let me tell you something. I had a father once tell me he was so upset because his son was using these magic cards, this game. He said, it just bothers me. It's evil. I said, really? He said, yeah, I ripped him. I'm not going to allow this sin in my house. I'm not going to allow this demonic warfare to rage in my home. And then I had to ask him because he's a friend. I said, by the way, this is good judgment. I had to ask him about the moat, the, uh, the beam that's in his own eye. And I said, uh, well, what does your son think when he sits down and you watch those movies that drop the F-bomb every other word? And curse God to hell using GD. The nudity. Well, I don't, know. I don't know. I do. You're worried about a card game that's labeled magic, but you're living this way in your living room in front of your own children, bro. You need to. You need to figure some things out. This is not. Hey, you need to figure out where you're at before you help them with where they need to be. Listen, it's important. It's so important. When you use good judgment, judge with consideration. Consider your sin. Where are you at? What are you dealing with? And consider the hypocrisy. If you're not practicing what you're p- preaching, then you need to reevaluate because it's not good judgment. Now, let's, let's dive into this idea of the sliver in the eye, if you would, the splinter. And, and look at what the Bible says. Because the third thing that we need to know when it comes to good judgment is we have to judge with clarity. Matthew 7 and verse 5, Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thy own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the moat out of thy brother's eye. The problem isn't that you're judging that person. The problem is you don't have good judgment because you're dealing with the same thing that person is dealing with. Mm, yeah. now, the Bible is very symbolic in multiple ways. We, we know many times in Scripture the Bible uses parables and symbolism to illustrate life's uh, greatest lessons, right? You know, you go to the book of James, and we see life is like a vapor. It appears a little time and then vanishes away. the way. And then in the book of Psalms, your, your life is like a tree, and it's illustrated as a tree. And that illustration is about spiritual growth. It's planted by the rivers of water. And so we also see in the Old Testament Isaiah that sheep can drift from the shepherd. That's an illustration of backsliding. And so right here in this passage of Scripture, um, there's this illustration being used by Jesus that good judgment comes when you realize the things that are in your own life and it's illustrated through the eyeball, right? That is not by chance. See, when we get a sliver or a splinter, how many say sliver? Raise your hand. How many say splinter? Splinter. I think a sliver is something they use down south, but uh, I've heard it both ways. Splinter, sliver, whatever you want to call it. Usually we think of the hand or a finger. Nobody thinks about an eye getting a splinter. That's disturbing. So why did Jesus use the eye? There's a reason for that, because the eye is very sensitive. Now watch this. This is important to understand. In order to judge with clarity, we have to understand the full analogy in, uh, of the splinter in the eye according to Matthew chapter 7 and in verse, in verse 5 and the process of removing it. See, because we can't use good judgment and invest in people if we don't know how to do what we need to do to judge well. How do we remove the problem? Well, obviously, it makes it very clear you've got to move, remove your problem first Because it's illustrated that the one you're trying to invest in, if you have the same problem and you're preaching at them and judging them, theirs is like a small splinter in the eye. But yours, yours is much different because it's a bigger problem even though it's the same problem because you're judging them and it's like a two by four in the eye. You ever had somebody come up to you and say, hey, you got something right here. You got something right here. I had little kids when I was in kids ministry. They'd say, if I had a They call them eye boogers. They got something right here. But it looks like something exploded in their eye. And I'm like, really? How can you even see right now? Do you see all the chummage in your own eye, kid? Worrying about this? I feel like as Christians, so often, depending on what circle or movement we're in, we're walking around like this, and we're looking at everybody and their circumstances, their situations, we're saying, hey, you know what? I don't know if you noticed this, but you've got this going on in your life. Let me help you. But the Bible says in order to help them, there has to be clarity with you. So let's work on getting this out so we can get that out of their life. And when we do that, we have to understand this process and the reason why the eyeball is used and illustrated. And so we start with that sensitivity. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thy own eye. When you get something in the eye, boy, it hurts. It distracts everything. It becomes a problem. And when you get it in your eye, your eye begins to water, it's in this constant pain. But to have something that's stuck in the eye, literally stuck in the eye, or cuts the eye, the pain is even worse. Now, you have not natural blondes. You know, they don't they don't dye their hair, they're just a natural blonde. Well, you actually have natural bald guys as well. Yeah, that's right. I'm not a natural bald guy. Amen. So I have to use a razor to finish up the job. And so when I do that, I use a Mach 4, four blades, and I shave. Sometimes it doesn't go well. For a matter of fact, I've I've peeled my head like a potato. I did this on a trip with the guys when we were in Texas, and it just would not stop bleeding. It was agonizing. But nothing is in comparison to when you nick the eye. say, how in the world? I was shaving my head. Mach 4 blade. You all ready? I turned my head and went back about the time I was about to reach and pull back and nicked a chunk out of the white of my eye with a Mach 4 blade. It was agonizing. I thought, what do I, what do, I do? I can still see. Do I go to the doctor? I know that the eye heals fast, but at that moment I'm thinking, this hurts. And from there, it just hindered everything. Now watch this, that sensitivity. It, it, it's sensitive and it hurts but then it hinders. It makes me where I can't do things the way I need to do things. Now, symbolically speaking, when it comes to the believer that's trying to invest in another believer, and they have this in their eye, they've got some sensitive things going on in their life that's hurting them and hindering them so they can't properly use good judgment for the other person. So I have to get this junk out of my life first. And I'm going to tell you something. It hinders us in multiple ways, especially as a father. When you're trying to invest in your son or your daughter and they're looking at you like, what, is, what, what about you? I was in Tennessee this week. I saw one of the boys that was in my youth group. I haven't, I haven't seen him since he was 14 years old. That was 14 years ago. He asked me, he popped into the hospital while I was making a visit and he said, um, can I talk to you? He's country, country. He said, bro, can I talk to you? So we walk in the hallway, he said, Bro, Dave, I've just been going to all kinds of he just pours his heart out to me. And he, he was so broken. And I can say this, and I know he wouldn't mind, but he said, Dave, my father met with me when I was 25 years old. And he said, I want to make some changes. I haven't been a good dad to you. And he said, I looked at my dad, and I said, well, How old were you when I was born? And he said, 25 He said, I'm 25, Dad. Now you want to make some changes? See, what happened is Dad, for 25 years, had a beam in his eye. And he was constantly telling his son, let me tell you something. This, 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 this. I'm your daddy. I can make good judgment. You don't know how to make good judgment. While his son is trying to figure things out as a little boy, and he has this in the eye. And in 25 years, the little boy is now walking away going, Dad. You have not helped me at all because you never had good judgment. And the reason why is because the beam that was in his father's eye prevented him from being an effective person. It hindered him. There was hurt in the home. I had my first MS attack because I had multiple sclerosis when I was 19 years old. It affected my eyes. I had double vision. I couldn't drive. You know how frustrating that is when you're 19 and you can't go where you want to go? There was a lot of things I couldn't do. First time I'd ever been to Disney World, I was like this. Ain't nobody want to go to Disney World like this. Double, I mean, I had double vision. It was awful, horrible. It hindered everything. The experience of Disney was not the greatest experience because of my vision. Something wasn't right. I'm going to tell you something that's very important to understand. When you don't get the problem out of your life, you'll never help your kids get the problem out of their life. Because you're so hurt and you're so messed up and you're so broken, you're hindered and you're not effective. My mom has some issues with her eyes. Glaucoma. I think it's glaucoma. My dad had glaucoma. My mom has... um, uh, it, it affects her vision from the left and the right. She can't, she can't clearly see, and it's like almost tunnel vision. It's all black, like a, almost like a cave, Then she can just see the light in the distance. I just described something. Maybe you can tell me after the service what that is. My mom said just this week, she said, Dave, I, I feel like I can't accomplish anything in my home. I poured a cup of coffee. And it went everywhere because the cup was upside down. I couldn't even see what I was doing. And I feel like that's what we're doing every single day when we don't have good judgment. We're trying to help people, but we're pouring into an upside down cup, and it's not effective. This is a sensitive thing. And I'm not just saying that because of the symbolic picture of the eye, I'm saying because it's sensitive in the home when you don't have good judgment as a dad or a mom. Hey, when you don't have a good judgment as a teenage son or a teenage daughter, and you think you got it all figured out, and your parents are loving you and trying to help you, but you're like, no, I know what I'm going to do. You have no authority in what you're doing because you're not basing everything on God's word, and you're walking around like, I got this, I got this. You got nothing. You got to get this figured out. And I know it's sensitive, but remember this. It is affecting your sight, It's sensitive and it affects our sight in multiple ways. And then shalt thou see clearly. When we remove some things, then we are able to see some things. Say, I know what's going on. No, I don't think you do. When I used to wear glasses, I'd take my glasses off. I thought I knew what was going on, but I had no clue. You know why? Because everything was distorted. I would think that was a person, but it's a tree. Yeah, My eyes were messed up. I would be in a car wreck if I took my glasses off while I was driving. Let me tell you something. I feel like that's happening in so many Christians' lives. They want good judgment, but to judge with good judgment, you have to see clearly. And that's sensitive, and there's some things you have to handle. But it's affecting your sight, and you need to know that. You need to understand that because the way you're seeing things in your home, the way you're seeing things in your life is distorted. I convince myself all the time when I'm in sin it's all right. I got this. I got this. You got a distorted way of looking at your sin. I'll figure it out. I got it. No, you don't. No, you don't. You can't, you, you can't handle any of that on your own. You have to see clearly so you can handle it. And by the way, if you're not seeing clearly, your kids will never see clearly because you can't invest in them to help them. I'll tell you, when in, my, <clears throat> in my life when I was a kid... I loved the experience of going to a cavern, a cave, and exploring. We didn't have any tour guides. We just had a flashlight. and Back then, they weren't LED. They were these big D-battery flashlights, and they're garbage. And they'd always break before we get out, and we always have some small flashlight left to get out of the cave. But when the lights were out, it was so dark and dangerous. I think what we're experiencing as Christians, we're in a dark world and we can't see clearly because we have so much stuff in the way. And it's making us, Or we're not effective. We don't know how to invest. Let me just put a side note here. That's why I feel so compelled for next month to do a series on having a biblical worldview. I just lost half of you just saying that. What is a biblical worldview? That's why we need to have a message on a biblical worldview. Because there's so much we need to do to invest in the people that we're trying to help. But we don't know the right words to say. We don't have the right knowledge. And we don't have the ability. And I know that's not the same as having a beam in your eye. But I'm, I'm just saying we have to be equipped. Let me, let me say this. In order to remove this, we have to do surgery. I can't just, you know, I wish it was easy just to say, let's just pluck that out. You know, just pull it out of there. we got to be careful. Let me tell you something. When I finally get it out of my life, i got to realize how sensitive it was trying to get this out of my life, and how it hurt me, and it affected me, and it, it caused my sight to be disordered, and I, I got to realize my son, my daughter, whoever I'm trying to love and invest in, I have to handle it the same way I handled it in my own life, because good judgment doesn't mean you're going to be a critical, mean individual. It means you're going to lovingly invest in those people that you're trying to help. Let me tell you something. Let me say this. This might seem silly to you, but I, I don't know any other way to illustrate it, but... When I, I, I fell on my face, that's happened a number of times, but this one was bad. I had a concussion. They were stripping the floor down in the basement at Fellowship Baptist Church and I went down there and I thought I had it. Fell on my face, busted my face, had a concussion, eight stitches. Oh, it was the most painful thing ever, right? It was horrible. And I did this twice. I got stitches. One time in college, I had a cut on my finger and I was like, I know, I'll get the stitches out later. And I realized... To remove that, I'm not going to say it's surgery, but it is a process. You have to make sure you're very sensitive to what's going on there, especially if you let it go. So I went to the nurse when I was in college and she dug in there and got it out. And I was like, that wasn't very nice. And she said, well, you shouldn't have waited. You should have got stitches out when we told you to. And then I fell years later at Fellowship Baptist Church and I waited again right here in my eyebrow. So I didn't know what to do. And I was like, so I asked a surgeon that lived in the house that's not a surgeon at all, my wife, to remove the stitches. And let me just say this. There is a way to do it, right? You have to be sensitive and gentle so the process goes well and the person that's getting operated on can respond well, right? And the same spiritually. We have to do it right or if we don't, things just don't go well even though you did get the the item out. I don't think you know. How bad? Can I just show you? Can I show you a clip? I'm not going to show it all to you because I think it would break your heart what I went through because of my wife. I think it would. But I think you'd better understand. I just want you to watch. Oh, sh- you oh me? You just pinched my eye, my, my wound. <laughs> She's laughing. I'm really trying, babe. Oh, God, just try harder. <laughs> <laughs> What the junk? <laughs> ah! That literally, it dried up. It was scabbed over. It felt like it just really hurt. I thought stitches coming out was not supposed to hurt. Yeah, and you laughed at me for asking her <sighs> about loop in your eye. And you were like, listen, if she says not to do it after the first day, could you know for the first day? <laughs> <laughs> <I like her. laughs> i gotta got a smart mouth right now. <laughs> just saying. I needed somebody com- with compassion at that moment. I was the patient. But I feel like in reality, that's Christianity. Just like, just suck it up, buttercup. Let me rip that out of your eye. I, I, I got the one out of my eye. Now it's my turn to get it out of your eye. Let me tell you something. If you want to be an effective parent, you got to realize... You're the surgeon. You're the one that has to dig deep into your children's lives. And you better make sure there's not something in your life. And when you do dig deep, you better make sure you're using the right method. You got to make sure you're doing it the right way. So you have to use judgment with caution. Don't ever go into it without using caution. I'm telling you, judgment with consideration Know where they're at because you once were there too. And always judge with clarity because I can't be a good surgeon in my kid's life if there's something in my own life and I can't see clearly. You all follow me? Will you pray with me? Holy Father, in Jesus' name. I know the importance in my life of being the father I need to be and I know how often I lack in that area. And I just pray, Lord, that I can just practice what I preach. And it's so difficult at times. But I know you're a good God and you love us and you're always working in our hearts to show us what needs to be removed. But God, in here in this room, I know that I'm not the only one struggling. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray that you'll help each of us to look deep in our lives and realize the areas that we need to change. The things that need to be removed. I pray, Lord, you help us use good judgment. Help us to do things well. Help us not just to hear the message, but walk out of here and apply it in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, would you? I don't want to close with a song of worship. I'll have a couple of announcements in just a minute. Bob will give us some announcements. Caleb has one. But will you sing with us? And I want you to do this. While you sing, would you just humble yourself and really examine your life? It doesn't matter if you're a kid, you're a teen, or an adult. Maybe you're a mom, dad, or a grandfather or grandmother. You, know, you say, man, have I been using good judgment? Or is there something in my life that needs to change? I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're dealing with. But you need to examine yourself.